as he says there this morning, I want to speak to you about the gift of true happiness. The desire for happiness is planted in the soil of every human heart. You know, just as a runner longs for a bottle of water at the end of a long marathon, and the prisoner yearns for freedom, all of us naturally longs for happiness. We want to be happy. We want to be happy. I hope you want to be happy. Sadly, all the roads people take to find happiness are dead ends. Dead ends. There is no better proof of this than the life of Madame de Pompadour. Madame de Pompadour was a friend and favorite of King Louis XV in 18th century France. She had everything she ever wanted. But late in her life, she said this. What a situation the great find themselves in. We only live in the future and are only happy in hope. There is no peace in ambition. I am always gloomy and often so unreasonable. The kindness of the king, the honor of my courtiers, the loyalty of my many friends. All of these things are supposed to make me happy, but they don't. I have lost any desire for all that once pleased me. I furnished my house in Paris in magnificent splendor, but it pleased me only for two days. My residence at Bellevue is charming to everyone except to me. I cannot endure it. In a word, I do not live. I am dead before my time. My life is a perpetual death. Madame de Pompadour enjoyed great influence, power, riches, and all kinds of human pleasures. But in the end, it did not bring her happiness. It didn't bring her happiness. Think about it. All those things perhaps you are laboring for, looking forward to have. More money in your pocket. Better friends. She had all of that. Didn't deliver. You see, all man-made vehicles can never ultimately take us to happiness street because all things in this world, you see, ultimately have their limits. That's the first issue. They have their limits. If you are living for fashion, there will be a time when you simply won't be able to wear all those shoes and all those jackets you have accumulated and you are accumulating in your wardrobe. If you are living for some talent or gift that God has given you, at some point it just won't be there. There will come a time when you feel useless with it. That sweet relationship which you are clinging to above all else to bring you happiness, will one day come to an end. How do I know? Because death will knock on your address and cut it off. Death, beloved, comes to all of us. You see, depending on this world to make us happy is nothing more than building a house on sand. It is leaning your entire weight on a piece of paper. Imagine that. All things have their limit. All things. That's one reason you can't be happy from things of this world. The other reason, the bigger reason you can't be happy, why the world can't satisfy you, is that you know deep down you are not simply a collection of DNA. 
You have a spiritual, you are a spiritual being. Each one of us has a soul inside of us. And trying to satisfy you, the spiritual you with fame, riches, power, human pleasure, and all sorts of things is totally useless. Oh, beloved, totally, totally useless. It's like pouring water into a sieve. It's like feeding a dog sand every day and hoping it will somehow be satisfied. It is killing yourself softly as the Fujis said, right? We can only truly be happy when our spiritual longings are satisfied. And the only one thing, the only thing, the only person who can satisfy our spiritual hunger is God our Savior. And you know, we find this truth throughout the entire Bible. And we especially find it in this passage we are looking at this morning, which is so familiar to us. We read it every Christmas. And we've come to this passage because we're going through Luke verse by verse. And God, by his providence, has brought us to Luke 1, verse 46 to verse 55, which our brother Victor read for us. This song of Mary. Now, just before these songs, for those of you who perhaps haven't been with us, what we have seen is that we have seen the angel of the Lord visit a young woman called Mary. And he has told her that she's going to be a mother to God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And the angel has also informed her that Mary's relative, Elizabeth, who is old and barren, is now also pregnant. So immediately what has happened is that Mary has, uh, goes off to see Elizabeth. And as soon as Mary enters Elizabeth's house, the six-month-old baby in Elizabeth's womb gets excited. And the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth's heart. And instantly, Elizabeth exclaimed with joy. She blesses Mary. She calls her the most blessed of women. Why? Because Mary is carrying God in her womb. And now in verse 46 to 55, we have Mary's response to that bereka, that blessing that Elizabeth has given, as, as it were, as lavished on her. Mary now is responding to that, and she responds with this song or poem of praise. And it's a song really praising God for what he's doing, for the gift of Jesus, the gift of his baby in her womb, the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ to us. As I said, this song is called Mary's Magnificat. And as I said before, he has quotes and allusions to Old Testament passages, including the passage we read in First Samuel chapter 2, the prayer of Hannah. And when we step back, though, and look at this passage, we can summarize what Mary is saying in this song in simply one sentence. And I've written it there on your outline. The key truth, the main truth, and really this sermon only has one point, and it's this point. True happiness comes from God through the gift of Jesus. True happiness comes from God through the gift of Jesus. Now, we're going to learn this truth and how we should respond to it by just walking through Mary's song step by step. Look with me there at verse 46. Mary starts this song with praise, doesn't she? Verse 46 to 47. 
And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The present tense is important. Did you pick them up? Magnifies and rejoices. They are reminding us that Mary's happiness is not a flash in the pan. There is a deep fountain of happiness flowing within Mary. And that should make us immediately pause and reflect, right? Because this is strange, isn't it? Because why is it strange? Because Mary is going through currently a heart-wrenching situation. One minute, Mary is preparing her wedding. And now she's a pregnant teenager, shamed, soon to be shamed, by our community. She is a walking scandal. So it is a surprise to see Mary is full of happiness here. And this immediately is reminding us that it is possible. It is possible to have true happiness in a world of suffering. True happiness, according to the Bible, is not freedom from suffering. If you are trying to be happy by trying to eliminate suffering in your life, you have missed the point. True happiness is not freedom from our suffering. You see, all human life is infected with suffering because of our original sin. You see, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, right? When they did that, their sin brought pain, sorrow, sickness, and death. This is actually why we suffer today. We suffer because of original sin. So you see, when the Bible, because we live in a world of sin, a world that has now gone wrong, we might put it. Not because they always, because of our immediate sin, sometimes our suffering is brought about what we actually see now, but fundamentally, the world changed in the Garden of Eden. It's a world of suffering and death. So when the Bible talks about happiness, it's not talking about a perfect happiness without suffering. That will only be true in heaven, and especially true in the new world to come, when Christ comes and makes all things new. Okay? So happiness, it is possible to be happy in the middle of suffering, according to the Bible. That's one thing Mary is teaching us here. The other thing you should notice that it also does not mean happiness is laughing and smiling all the time. Now, that's not happiness according to the Bible. In the fallen world, in this fallen world, there will always be seasons for everything, including our tears. Read Ecclesiastes 3. There is a season for everything under the sun, and that includes suffering and tears. So if you, want, you think happiness is you smiling around all the time, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and actually that misses the point. So what then is true happiness? True happiness, remember, at the fundamental core of your being, is that you are a spiritual person. So whatever happiness the Bible is talking about, it must get at the heart of it. At the spiritual core of you. And this is true happiness. True happiness is having your deepest desires, your spiritual longings, satisfied by God. True happiness is being spiritually fulfilled by God. And that is what Mary has here. There is a river 
of God flowing through Mary's heart that is bringing joy to her in the middle of her suffering. Look at verse 46 to 49. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty, that is God, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary is joyful because despite all that is going on in her life, nothing beats the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is this. God has walked through the dark doors of our life, right? Mary knows that there is an infinite gap between her and God. Mary is a sinner. God is holy, as she says. Mary is a weak human being of a humble estate. God is omnipotent. He who is mighty has done great things for me, she says. And that's the point. Despite this infinite gap between Mary and God, God has graciously chosen her, a poor teenage girl, to carry the Messiah Jesus in a fragile womb, to give birth to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The sheer humongous grace that God has lavished on Mary overwhelms her. All her problems are now drowning in the flood of God's amazing love. And actually this tells us another crucial thing about true happiness. True happiness is not determined by your situation. It's not... Because think of Mary's situation. No, true happiness is determined by your relationship. Your relationship with God. The genuinely happy person is a person who has a full-hearted, devoted relationship with the one true God. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have no relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not happy. Because remember who you are. You are a spiritual being. And at the core of a being, only God can truly satisfy. You know, we are living in a world where we are constantly told that in order for us to be happy, we must focus on our needs and, and try and take care of them. And some of you are focusing on that. As a child, this is me season. I need to focus on me. And you're living like that. Everything's about you, 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 you. Always. You're having trouble with people in your life because it's always about you. But Mary is teaching us here, beloved, that happiness is not found on focusing on you, on us. It is found by being in a true and devoted relationship with the other, with God himself, who is completely other. It is a life flourished by God. True happiness does not come from pursuing your own plans in life. It is not even about being surrounded by people who like you at school, at work, or even wonderful members of your extended families. Some of you are probably thinking, my extended members are robbing me of happiness. That's a lie. They are not. They are not. Oh, my husband is robbing me of happiness. He's not. Remember what true happiness is. 
True happiness is being spiritually fulfilled by God. The true happy person is a person fulfilled by God and being shaped by God. For you to be truly happy, God must be your ultimate pleasure. You can live a very happy life, even in a very difficult workplace, as long as you are being fulfilled by God. As long as God is your ultimate pleasure. Listen, do not waste your life searching for happiness where it cannot be found. Do not think your lack of happiness today is because you don't have enough money in your pocket. Do not think you lack happiness because you are being overworked at work. Do not think that happiness is being found in simply lazing around and sitting and doing nothing all day. Do not think that happiness will be found by being liked by the opposite sex. Do not look for happiness in indulging every human pleasure you can get your hands on. Oh, friends, especially the young ones here, do not look for happiness in your hobbies or even high academic achievement. It is good to use all your talents, talents that God has given you, but happiness is not found there. And I warn parents lovingly, be clear about what you are aiming for with your children. Are you aiming for their happiness or are you aiming for worldly pleasure? Answer that question honestly before the Lord. Because if you set the wrong priorities for your children, you are leading them to a dead end. True happiness is only found in Christ alone. So you must set their priorities right. Do not even search for happiness inside yourself. You know, do not listen to the world when it says to you, true happiness is being true to yourself. It is a lie from hell. You are a sinner. You are a sinner. Being true to yourself is heading to hell. There is no happiness in that. You see, all these things in this world, even the good things, the wonderful things God has blessed us with, are not the source of happiness. Real happiness is found in a true relationship with God. Your husband, I'm sure, is very wonderful and loving. But he's a gift from God. Don't base your happiness on him. Find your happiness in God and God alone. And this is what Mary's song is teaching us, isn't it? True happiness is being with, <clears throat> is God being with us, loving us, and f- filling us with himself as he has done for Mary. Now, you may be thinking, but isn't Mary not unique, right? I mean, not everyone gets to be the mother of Jesus, do they, right? It's a one-off event. So how, do, how can I be sure that Mary's happiness that she's describing here is also available for me? It's a good question, isn't it? Well, we can be sure. Because Mary's happiness is not only for herself. That's the point. Mary is happy because the baby in her womb is good news for us. Look at verse 50 to verse 53. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate like her. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. That phrase there, by the way, he has shown strength, is from the Old Testament. 
It speaks of God coming to rescue his people against their oppressor. Uh, old Zechariah is going to return to that theme, right? God in the past had sent leaders to serve his people Israel. But none of them could bring about total peace and happiness for his people. We know that because as Mary is speaking, they are living under brutal Herod, who we met uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the first two messages. Things haven't, are not perfect. And that is because God has always, had always intended to send them a final savior. And God the Holy Spirit is now speaking through Mary. He's saying, the savior has come. God through Mary is saying, this baby in our womb is that deliverer. This baby Jesus is true salvation from God. Dressed in our human flesh. Praise the Lord. Dressed in our human flesh. The child in our womb is what I call the fetus of infinite mercy to sinners. When this child, Jesus, is born, he's going to change everything for his people, Mary is saying. Mary is saying the Lord Jesus is entering the world to establish a new kingdom that will lead to a moral, social, and economic reversal. Evil defeated. Weakness and downtrodden elevated. The poor are fed. True happiness, you see, it finds its fullness in the coming of Jesus. All these things will happen because God is fulfilling his promise, you see, to serve his people Israel by the coming of Jesus as the long-awaited king. Let's read on verse 40, 54 to 55. Mary says this, He, that is God, has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. In other words, Mary is saying the coming of God in the person of Jesus is not because we deserve God to be with us. It is all because of God's grace to us. You see, the problem of the human race is this, is that in order for us to have a relationship with God that brings true and lasting happiness, we need to be without sin. We need to be without sin. So happiness comes from God, but God is holy. So if you're going to relate to him and be in this relationship with him, we need to be like he is. And that means we need to be without sin. God wants to have a relationship with you, but your sin always gets in the way. That's the issue. In fact, the Bible puts it like this in Isaiah 59, verse 1 to 2. It says, Because the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot serve you. Right? Or is he a doubt that it cannot hear you? But your iniquities, your sins, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. You see the problem? All of us have rebelled against God. Like I said last week, we are spiritual blade runners. God is not first place in our lives. In order for us to have true happiness, we need God to intervene. We need God to forgive us. But we cannot force God to forgive us. Because at the core of our being, we are so rebellious that we do not even want to ask God to forgive us. So to have a new relationship with God that brings true happiness, right, in our lives, we need God to take the initiative to deal with our sin. 
We desperately need God to somehow extend His mercy and grace to us. We need God to take away this rebellion that's standing in the middle of our happiness. But there's a huge problem, isn't there? As I said, God is holy and just. And our rebellion against God demands that He punishes us. And yet God loves us because we are His creatures. He longs for our happiness. So how does God square this thing? How does God bring about happiness for us? This happiness that we long for. And God still remaining just. Well, God has done this by sending His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. The good news of Jesus is that God the Son has entered our world on an extraordinary mission of happiness, right, for us to live as one of us in order to restore us to God so we can live a truly happy life. When God the Son, Jesus, grew up, he was rejected, tortured, killed by human beings shamefully. But he allowed this to happen to himself, you see, for us, for you. Because Christ came to meet the just demands of God's law. Jesus came on a mission to suffer God's punishment in your place. By dying on the cross for your sin. The penalty of your sin is death. Romans 6 verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. That's what each of us owe God. But thank God that the Apostle Paul does not end there. Paul says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus died on the cross to suffer the almighty punishment from God that you deserve. When Jesus did it, that was dying on that cross, he was doing it as your substitute. He died in your place. So that if you truly repent of your sin and trust in Jesus, you start enjoying a new, happy, spiritual life filled by God. But you have to truly repent and surrender. The key word is surrender. I'm not saying say the Lord's Prayer. I'm not saying church attendance. You must surrender genuinely before God. The true Christians is not just everyone who attends church. Not everyone in this room right now is going to heaven. Some of you here are on the path to hell. You are not true Christians. You are a true Christian only if your heart has truly surrendered to Jesus. And listen to me. And your life has shown real evidence of that change that you have been born again. When a person surrenders their life to Jesus... It is because God the Holy Spirit has breathed new life into them. As I reminded you last week. He has made them born again. They now have a new heart that has faith in the death of Jesus for their sin. And, and, and that new heart has made them turn back on the world. They are now living for Jesus. They have received new affections, new love, new longings to live for Jesus. You see, that life with Jesus is not a Sunday jacket they put on and take off. They truly live for him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, if this is your life, then you are a truly happy person. You are happy not because you never have doubts or fears. 
Not because you never go through suffering. Not because you never shed tears. You are happy because you are truly born of God. And because you are born again, there is a deep stream of joy from God that never runs dry throughout your moments of your life. Even in moments of suffering. Your life with God means His Spirit is growing in you, that inner love and delight in who God is and what He has done for you in Jesus. There is the inner delight that no matter what suffering or challenge I'm facing at the moment, I have this Jesus who loves me and gave himself for me. Not part of himself, but all of himself for me. You have the inner assurance that no matter what sin I stumble in, and you will sin, the Lord Jesus who shed his blood for my sin will never let me go. And you have this inner hope, beloved, that God does not love me from a distance. His love now lives in my heart. I live in him, he lives in me. And nothing will ever separate me from his love. We say amen, but does this describe you, beloved? Does this describe you, beloved? Can people around you say this describes him or her? Can you honestly say, I know something of being filled and satisfied by God? I know I have truly received happiness in Jesus. Can you say that? Can you say, I've truly surrendered my heart to Jesus and I can see evidence that I'm growing in being like him? Oh, beloved, do not lean on how many sermons you've had. Do not lean on how many Bibles you own at home. Do not lean on your baptism or your church membership. Ask yourself, is there real evidence of change in your life? Do not even say, Chola, baptize me. Are you born again or not? And is there evidence of a changed life? That's the question that matters. I plead with you to take this issue seriously. Because this issue is not just about your job, your joy today. It affects your happiness once you die. This is eternal happiness at stake. Do you have a true relationship with the Lord Jesus or not? Are you truly born again? Have you found happiness through Jesus? You know, Jesus, beloved, oh Jesus. Jesus is the Son. Without Jesus, no human being can feel warm. Jesus is the light, beloved. Without him, you always remain in darkness. Jesus, Jesus is the bread of life, beloved. Without him, you always starve for joy. No matter what you accumulate, you always starve for joy. Jesus is the true living water, beloved. Without him, no matter what you drink in this world, marriage, I don't know what's the big thing at the moment. Big social media following. Laughing at TikTok all day. If you keep drinking that, no matter how much of that you drink, you still remain thirsty. No matter what you have, if you don't have Jesus, you'll never be truly satisfied. It doesn't matter how many holidays you enjoy. Without Jesus at the core, you will always be restless. There is no peace in this world. 
without the Prince of Peace. So this morning, whether young or old, let's make sure that you're truly trusting in Jesus. Repent of your sin. This very moment, ask Jesus to make you born again. And if you truly surrender your life to Jesus, truly surrender to him, this moment you receive a new life of true happiness, a new life that's nourished by God himself. Now, I'm conscious that some of us here are already truly trusting in Jesus. How should we then respond to this truth that true happiness comes from God, that we've learned from Mary? Well, two responses uh, just to give you, and then I'll end. First of all, if you're a true follower of Jesus this morning, learn from Mary to be thankful that we have what the wisest and the richest and the most powerful are endlessly searching for. We have found it. True happiness in Jesus Christ. You know, we are happy in Jesus not because we are better or more deserving. No, beloved. We know we have nothing more than to give. We know that we are nothing more than wretched sinners saved by grace alone. It is by grace we have been saved through faith. Even that is not our doing. It's a gift of God, lest we boast. We know that before His grace found us, we were enemies of God. Under the very holy wrath of God like the rest of mankind. Oh, beloved, we were lost in our sin. We had no knowledge of how to find true happiness. We heard the word of God preached like this on Sundays, and we still didn't respond. We blindly chested in careers, money, relationship, pleasures. And you can say if you're a believer, it all came up empty. It all came up empty. But God, 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 who is so rich in his glorious grace, reached out to us with that one-way love of his, isn't it? He came to us in the Lord Jesus Christ as it were. He died for our sins. We know that from reading the word of God. But he did more. Imagine, he did more. By his Holy Spirit, he breathed new life into us. He opened our hearts in our lost estate to surrender our lives to him. Somehow God opened my eyes to see my sin at the age of 13. He gave me that faith at that age to truly repent and trust in him. To look to the cross of Jesus. He saved me in Jesus. And he gave me a true happy life in him. So today, if you're like me, if you feel burdened by life, or perhaps you are overwhelmed by some good news in your life. Good news, as we see this evening, can overwhelm us. Right? Can be quite wonderfully overwhelming, right? Well, don't let it distract you. Don't be distracted to thank him for this truth above all other good news. That God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, to die for your sin. And he sent God the Spirit to breathe a new, true, happy life in you through Jesus. We thank him for that. So gratitude is the first response. Second thing, beloved, let us resolve today to grow in experiencing more, in practice the true happiness that is already ours. As I said, 
Or if you are genuinely born again, you are truly happy. You know, if somebody asks you, are you feeling happy? I am not feeling happy. I am happy. <laughs> Happiness is the state of the believer. Because we are plugged into God. We are in a relationship with him. So all true believers, after you have a happy life, a true happy life. But the depth of the practical experience of our happiness, experiencing what we have on a daily basis, depends on how we are growing in our personal devotion and holiness to God. It, because God is a source of happiness, the more we are locking step with him and enjoying him and surrendering to him, the more we grow in living out what we already have in that practical experience. So if you want to grow in the practical experience of happiness in your life, you are a true happy person if you're in Christ, but if you want to grow in living that out practically at work, in the home, in a difficult country as it were, Right? In a difficult and uncertain world, how do you do it? Well, you do it by growing in practical, heartfelt, and daily surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. The same Mary who says here, my soul magnifies the Lord, is the same Mary who said what last week? Behold, I am the Lord's slave. Do you see that link? If, she doesn't, if there is that, there is no practical experience of happiness in the middle of a difficult situation. Robert Murray McShane says this, Our true happiness is in self-surrender, in giving up your heart and all to God. Any, listen to this, what Robert Murray McShane says, any one self-reliance in your life, any one self-reliance in your life destroys your joy. Destroys your joy. And you know, if you have been a true follower of Jesus for more than a few weeks, or months, you know deep down what Robert Murray McShane says is absolutely right. Of course it's Robert Murray McShane. It must be right. It's Robert Murray McShane, right? Right? So it must be right. But you also know it experientially, if you are true believers. You have felt and known much deeper happiness in your heart in those moments you have surrendered completely to the leading of God. Regardless of the injustice and bad treatment, or mommy is treating me like this, or daddy is treating me like this. But in that moment, you don't need to despair. You've known joy still. Why? Because you have completely surrendered to the purposes of God. It's a bigger reality that has governed your daily experience. The bigger reality of God who's sovereign, in charge, and who's filling you with his spirit. So you know you have felt much deeper happiness in your heart in those moments when you have completely surrendered to the leading of God. And you have felt most anxious in your life in those times when you have not spent as much time in close, intimate fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that. So then, let us make it our aim to grow and then in surrender to the Lord Jesus each week. Each week that passes. Resolve to know and feel his love more. That's what I'm getting at. The point is this. Do you love yourself or not? There's a healthy love of self. Well, if you hate yourself, everything I'm saying, you're not registering. But if you have any healthy love for yourself, this is how you care for yourself. Right? How do you care for yourself? By surrendering more and more. By giving up control to the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, 
Do not be content to just remain standing still in your walk. You know, there's so many of us here in this fellowship who are standing still. Do not be content to be like that. You know, that is actually going backwards. That's actually going backwards. No one ever stands still spiritually. You are either progressing or going backwards. Resolve, beloved, to grow in reading your Bible, in praying earnestly, so that you can love the Lord Jesus more and obey His desires more. Resolve to grow deeper to know Him and the power of His resurrection. This is not what Paul says. I want to know Him. And you're like, Paul, you know Him already. No, I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection. Resolve, resolve to grow deeper. Resolve to grow more in thinking about the holiness and majesty of God. Resolve to grow deeper in understanding the sinfulness of your sin and weeping for your sin in appreciating more and more the grace of God in Jesus. Resolve to grow deeper in never plunging in studying the cross of Jesus so that you can grow in rejoicing in his grace in whatever situation you're in. And beloved, resolve to grow ever deeper in utilizing all the means of grace that God has given you, especially the gathered assembly of the saints. I forget the name of the Puritan who's written, who, who preached a wonderful sermon, which he conclusively reminded us there is more benefit in public worship than private worship. God has ordained it that way. Do you love yourself? Do you want to grow to be more happy or not? then give yourself to gather here, morning and evening. And take every opportunity is possible, it's not always possible, to be present for some of these fellowship meetings. The women are coming here to pray. Pray with them. Utilize these opportunities. And of course, it's midweek for those, not everybody is possible for everyone for that, but it's there. Listen, as I come to an end, and I can go on as you know, but as I come to an end, I just want to say this. We have no right. We have no right to expect to grow in happiness whilst we are forsaking the means of grace God has ordained for us. There is simply no happiness in being a Jonah, in doing the Christian life your way. No one can make themselves happy by building dens of self-reliance like Israel in the days of Midian. True happiness comes from God and it's about giving ourselves. If we want to grow in practical experience in that happiness, we must grow in surrendering to Him. It's about giving our life to live for God and be nourished by God. We must do life God's way. If we want to, as believers, if we want to grow in experiencing practically holiness, practical joy, we must live life with the, by the clear teaching of his word. As I look at many of us here, you know everything I've said. You haven't heard anything new, I hope. I hope what you have gotten is the emphasis to surrender to him so that you could enjoy that practical happiness in whatever situation. And I know in this church all of us are in different situations. But beloved, Mary is 
reminding us here, no matter how desperate our situation gets, if we focus on giving thanks to God in, for what he has done for us in Jesus and grow in appreciating that, and we grow in surrendering to him, just as we say, it's when you are most busy. Well, I'm starting a new seminar, but I'll finish in a minute. But it's when you are most busy, that's when you should pray. Everybody says that. It's when you are most busy, that's when you should find time to read the Bible. It's when you are most busy, that's when you should, time, you should find time to gather with the saints. Why? Because these are the means for which we grow in experiencing that practical happiness. That's God's wisdom. You have to ask yourself, are you living on God's wisdom or the wisdom of the world? That's the question I leave you with this morning. May the Lord help us to receive and grow in this gift of true happiness that is offered to us through true surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.